The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. Well, there's only one major story this week, and that's Pete Rackett winning the Football Friends Derby for the first time. Congratulations, Pete. We also had Tommy Dolman's flurry at stocks plunging again after a recent resurgence, but his sterling pick is looking better than ever. All that and more on this week's Birth Football Podcast. And welcome back once again to the Perth Football Podcast after another crazy week of scores and action. I'm Sean Fry, your host as per usual. I will be doing my uh, recent uh, fitness management thing and just playing the first half and then subbing off before my uh, 4am flight tomorrow. But uh, joining me in the first half uh, will be, uh, as ever, uh, producer Kalichi Osuna, who has donned the headphones and the mic. Uh, he's doing double jobs today. Kalichi, welcome. In my N'Gale Kante, N'Golo Kante role. How are we, boys? N'Gale Kante. Well, well, he's uh, maybe that's what they call him in Saudi Arabia, and uh, he is one of many uh, players flying checks. over. Alex Navatsis, have you yet got the offer from Saudi Arabia to go and referee? I won't say referee, but uh, no. <laughs> so so uh, you have received some offer I have uh, from fe- the Saudis? Not, not from the Saudis. I uh, will be away in about uh, 10 days' time for the Women's World Cup with the USA. So oh, wow. There. So that's, um, yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting. So... Yeah, as their team liaison manager. So that'll be uh, a good little trip. Or I won't say trip. I'd say working. Work, uh, yeah, you'll working be working away. hard. So you'll be working very hard. First one up, last one to bed, but yep. um, for the right reasons. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's all good. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, the other man who may have got some offers from the Saudis would be uh, commentary extraordinaire and journalist slash reporter Tommy Dolman. What's the, uh, what's the contract on your table looking like? I'm actually trying to find a, a Saudi sponsor for the podcast, but I'm not having so much luck yet. So, uh, yeah, still a little way to go until we're chips in, boys, but uh, good to be on again. Okay, well, everyone else is getting an offer. Did you hear uh, Koulibaly's the latest? Yeah, he's already confirmed. Signed, yep. get on him. And then there's, uh, yeah, you've, oh, I think Alexis Sanchez is rumoured and... That's all. That's all getting a little bit. We won't talk too much about that because we've got to get on to uh, to talking about Pete Rackage because it's his big moment. But um, where do we all sit on this? We'll do a couple of minutes. It's it's pretty scary, isn't it? That like uh, maybe scary is the wrong word, but football as we know it, I think this may be sort of the beginning of the end because that they are not just getting thirty-seven year olds now, Nova. They are getting. 26-year-old captains of Premier League teams. And, well, do, do you have any thoughts or do you not really give a shit? Uh, I do give a shit. I think, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, it's, 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 it needs to start somewhere. And, and if it means getting these players in and it starts off getting 37, 38-year-old retirees to top up their superannuation to now where they are now, I think, I think it's, it's a good step. And you have a look at the clubs themselves, the grounds, the, the venues, the whole lot. Why wouldn't you want to go play there? And and when your bank account is going up with an extra zi- two or three zeros at the end of it, good luck to them. And I mean, do you think the league will, will obviously it, it has already garnered more interest, but I, I, I just can't see how the outlay gets them enough interest that it's worth, worth how much money they have to spend. Obviously, I guess the answer is just money's immaterial. Because they can. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, and that, that's the thing. They can afford it, and, and why wouldn't they? If they want to have the best football there, they're going to have to fork out extra than it would be to the Premier League, and, mm-hmm. and they're doing it. They've also yep. got, um, from all the research and stuff that I've been reading, they've also got a goal in mind to host the World Cup. And so if it legitimizes your league, if it professionalizes your your, yep. your teams, if it makes 
your local players better if it does the Iceland thing where you've you know got better development that's happening and it helps you so that in 2034 or 2038 you're trying to host a World Cup then salute well they're, they're hosting the 2027 Asia Cup so there's the first step there so they're yeah. going to have the, the materials ready to go and, and then as, as you know Kalichi said with the goal in mind to host the, the, the World Cup men's World Cup um, and alternatively as well uh, you know putting in a bid to host the women's Asian Cup as well uh, allegedly um, you know why not Tommy, you got any uh, thoughts on the the Saudi taker? They already own golf now, so they're they're, they're looking at football as, as the next one. Have you got any thoughts on this before we move on? Uh, I mean, it, it is interesting. I think there was a lot of early comparisons drawn to China. If you remember, a few years ago, they brought in a, 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 quite a lot of players in, in, into their league when when the Chinese Super League was um, trying to become a sort of superpower. Um, but this is a completely different scale of player, and as you pointed out, the age demographics are completely different. There's, there's a lot that goes into it in terms of garnering attention. It's it's one thing going over. I'm sure the players won't mind because they're getting a payday, but at the end of the day, somebody's got to watch it. So there's television rights, there's there's broadcast interest that you've got to try and garner. Um, I suppose if you want to really try and stretch it and find a positive somewhere, given that Australia in the Asian Football Confederation, it, it might be a positive that um, the, the league. Um, what what whether the reasons are questionable or not, or, or however you want to sort of chop it up, um, there is an influx of players coming to Asian football, and that could be quite exciting for the Asian Champions League. I think with with what Tommy says, I think across Asia, um, broadcast is one of the biggest uh, incomes that that a club member association can get. But I think with Saudi Arabia, it's a little bit different. It's not about um, the money. The money. The money. They, will, they will broadcast it for free. India is a perfect example with the La Liga. They broadcast that for free through Facebook just to get yeah. eyes on the games. And this is what it will be about, is getting eyes on these games to be able to see and say, okay, this is some league. Look where we're at. I mean, you just yeah. look everywhere now. There's tops everywhere coming to, through. So. Before Kalichi had one more point. Before I throw it to, to you, Kalichi, to me, it's, there is a real bad taste in my mouth with all of this. With all of that preface by the fact that there's a lot of millionaires and billionaires in the Premier League, in La Liga, that don't have clean money. That they, you know, they're, they're it's capitalism, there's, boss. There's no good billionaires, and and I will firmly believe that until I inherit a billion dollars. Um, but there genuinely doesn't seem to be. And so, whether you think the Saudis are worse than you know some of the people that own clubs or, or that uh, sponsor teams in the Premier League is is neither here nor there. But yeah, it's it's the fact that you know they've they've had this big thing with the PGA, the way they bought Newcastle, and the way this is all going. It's yeah, it's it's weird and it's a bit scary, but I, I don't know what the end game is or how we get there. Um, but I guess we'll find out. Kalichi, before we move on? Uh, I will say a couple of things without getting political at all. Just remember, in situations like this, you, you need to be kind to people and to be strict and strident with institutions and with companies. And so when you think about some 20-year-old or 26-year-old person who's going to a foreign country to make tens of millions of dollars look after their family where they grew up in a poor working class background and they know that their body is only going to be able to play at this elite level until they're 36 and they get to look after themselves. There is really no difference from someone going from the Portuguese league and getting paid six times more money to go to the Premier League. It's just the... the or working for PwC. Or, or, or working for PwC. The other thing is our governments do business with the Saudi government, with PIF, uh, out the corporations that we work for. The Americans make a bit of money out Americans of the Saudis? Make, uh, Twitter makes money from him. Facebook Does makes money from him. The UK make a bit of money the out UK of the UK make money from him. So, like, it, 
I feel like we can hold those people more to account than we can to poor footballers who are trying to go, look, uh, by the time I'm 36, my body might be all done here. I need to make sure yeah. I earn as much money uh, as I The only can. word I would uh, take issue with there is poor footballers. Well, when they started, they were poor. <laughs> some of them, some of them. All right, let's move on uh, to the football. Unfortunately, if you're listening, Pete Rakic, uh, the, the women's NPL action is being saved for part two. So we will delve right into your tactical uh, masterclass, your assimilation and destruction of uh, Ben Anderton. Uh, the, Sorry, the, Ben. The, the annihilation of the NTC that we've been waiting for for so long, Pete. Well done. Uh, and fr- from myself, I won't be here for part two, but congratulations, Pete. It's um, good to see you get one. Uh, I have been there before myself playing FIFA with Kalichi. I think I went on about you know, a 9, 10, 20 game losing streak when we first started, but that first one, uh, it is a big one. Um, so congratulations. But let's move on uh, to the men's football because... What a week of uh, results that have just turned around quite a few things. If I mean, we're looking at this relegation battle now and with no more questions answered than we had maybe a month ago. The title race, Tommy, you've been picking Sterling for a while, but you flagged one team in particular that, that you want to talk about this week, uh, largely because of their unpredictable form and, and who knows where the hell they're going. But make a bit of sense out of Bayswater for us. Well, I actually asked you to try and make some sense for me before we came on air, Sean. So thanks for throwing it straight back at me. Yeah, that's um, what I do. I'm a bit perplexed because we were very concerned about them at the start of the season. They had that heavy loss to Sorrento in round one. Um, they then were looking like they were going to be strugglers probably after four or three or four games. And then they went on this run. I think they won maybe five games in a row or, or four four wins in five games, something like that. And it culminated with a, um, with a one-all draw against... Um, Perth Red Star, and then they, I think they beat Armadale as well, a game that me and Josh went to for the um, for the full-time whistle. Josh but and I? Since, Josh and I, sorry, Sean. Stop being so pernickety. But, um, yes, ever since then, um, they've not won a game, um, which has been uh, one, two, three, four, five, six games since. So, And, and as Kalichi's loved this stat, uh, well, we, we all have, the, the last five games they've conceded 22 Goals, Tommy, which is 4.4 goals a game, I think, over five games, which is just outrageous. And, 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 those, were the, um, and those were the conversations we were having at the start of the, se- at the season, weren't we? We were talking about how we were a bit concerned about them because they've got all of this attacking talent, but um, they didn't seem to have any sort of um, defensive structure about their play. And it was very much just trying to go on the mantras, we'll score more than you and try and win the games. But it just seems as though those old habits have sort of re-emerged again. And um, I must admit, I've not watched Bayswater in full in the past couple of weeks. Um, so I was hoping that somebody else could possibly interject and help out. But um, yeah, it, nah. it is something that is a bit concerning. And in a league that's so tight, where teams are, point, are taking points off, off everybody, uh, you've got to be careful that you don't get sucked too deep into that battle. We had a look at the... The last time I had a look at the stat sheet was when they played Perth. And... It didn't look that bad. It didn't look like anything was a huge outlier. We should say, uh, because I didn't mention the score when I introduced Bayswater City, they did lose 6-3 away to the Glory Kids this weekend. So carry on, Kalichi, 6-3. Yeah, it didn't look like there was anything of a, of a huge outlier. Like, they had almost similar, um, you know, attacking phases, almost similar balls into the box. I think something that has impacted them is Dumba Makechi's not there, and he is a clinical goal scorer. Um, he was voted in the team of the year that we that we picked last year. He's not stopping them conceding six sure, goals, sure. though, is he? But 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 you can help get seven. But you could, yeah. <laughs> but not only help get seven, but you you can be in situations where you score that first goal and now you're counterattacking and now you're playing exactly how Basel. Oh, absolutely, be and a player like um, Dumba can can yeah. change the the whole narrative of a game. But 
he's not going to like week after week after week they're conceding four, five, six goals. The one that the one that really shocked me was this week was they were down three one, and I'm sitting there in the stands at, at at Sterling, and you get the flash score, and it's like oh bang, it's three three, and you look at it, and it's like two goals in a minute. How and many then, glory games do we see that madness every it, weekend? Yeah, that's, madness. And then yeah. and then the next notification I get it, it's five three to glory. I'm like sorry, what? And they've also <laughs> scored like two goals in a minute. And it ends up 6-3, and I'm going, like, they've got such experienced campaigners in that Bayswater City side. Like, such experienced campaigners. And what let them down against, uh, against Perth was it was four set pieces in a row. And Josh made the joke that, you know, you can't score four set pieces every single week. But I, I, I'm going to have to go look at the stats, and the, the football haven't put up the videos for all the goals that's come up yet. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if they were conceding goals from set pieces against Perth Glory. Do, do we look at it similar to how we have with Flory with old heads? I think so. And I, th- yeah. I think that's something that's gone past. As, I, th- as I think it's dramatic. It, and, yeah. and they're two of the bottom three teams, aren't they, Nova? 100%. So I mean, yeah, for me, like Kalichi just mentioned, the fact that they got back to 3-3 and then all of a sudden you're 5-3 down, it's it's what's going on? Like, how? Like, yeah, and is it is it that because you've gone from 3-1 down 3 or and you're still in that attacking mindset... <sighs> going, we're going to keep pushing, and then all of a sudden, mate, they've copped two. Um, and then it's 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 literally good night, Irene. But there, is, there, there must be an element of, uh, of of fitness as well and having more Possibly, legs. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, we, I think we've Sam flagged. Mitch has been out for a bit. I don't know if he played this week, but he's you know he's been out. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about Jason Mirko on the quality. He's been he, – unfortunately, you know, he can't do it every week. Doesn't last forever, yeah. You know, and, 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 and this is what we – didn't Jason Mirko win, like, the Golden Boot in, like, yeah. 2012 or something yeah. like that? That's almost 10 years ago. Yeah, he got – That's you know, uh, more than 10 years ago. We got Gordon Smith. So you got quality in that team. There's there's absolute quality. But again, is it similar to the Floriot players where you've got Ludo Boy and these where you're going, well, yeah. is it is it now a time that it has to be looked at? But is it now a dangerous time as well? Well, I mean, Coburn have got the worst goal difference in the league at, at, at negative 11, yeah. and they're above Bayswater and Floriot. Because we look at the ladder now, and it's starting to arrange itself. As we said, it's probably about four or five weeks we're 14, later. 14 games yeah, in. This if you is look at the top now, you've got Sterling that are on 25. They've still got to play Kingsway, which potentially can, if they beat Kingsway, they go 28. But if Kingsway win, they're one point off top. They go one point off top, so they jump to second. So that top four, five, six is is starting to look after itself. And has Tom? So Tommy's been struggling to 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 pull the pin on Florida, but he said at the start of the season he picked Sterling for the league, and he said Olympic Kingsway were his dark horse. Yeah. And and we're saying Olympic Kingsway could be one point off top winning that game. The the other thing we've got to look at is don't worry about bottom spot. Okay, that's an automatic relegation. We're looking at a playoff here. Now, which one of these teams of Floriot, Bayswater, Coburn want to play against potentially a <laughs> Fremantle, Mandra, Western Knights? Because I, it's, I it's, tell you what, what a like you, you talk about for the good of the league. You talk about the good that, of the game. That, How long oh, I've been saying it needs to have needs to have more than one playoff. Yeah. of all divisions. Yeah. This but is why. And how exciting is it that we can talk? Like now you look at it, you go, okay, bottom two, six, seven, eight, go, let's just go through the motions. You imagine we Western now. Knights at, at E&D Leaders Stadium yeah. for the for NPL next season. It's just oh, mate, it's, it's lips. goosebumps. Yeah, it's it's like, great. You, you'll I mean, get a great crowd. It'll be a, the state football State Football Centre be hosting these playoff matches. Have they got good enough chips like Belcato's chips? It will be great chips. Oh, is, it, is that where it's, it's going to be? Oh, it potentially will be if it's oh. ready. I mean, that's where it should be, really. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at... A, a venue where the surface is the same as as um, Optus Stadium or Perth Rectangular Stadium, as it will be for no. the World Cup. But uh, you know, it, it, what a pl- what a what a journey that will be well, to have playoff matches at that cent at this new centre 
showing absolute quality. I, I I didn't know you've been saying this for years, but you're very absolutely. rarely wrong. And and once again, you you're on the money because that is no, what, what has to happen. Has yeah. to happen. And you know, if they do it in the UK, what what are we special about that we shouldn't be doing it? And this is the reason why. How exciting it is now for cl- clubs. Maybe not. They're, it's squeaky well, bum well, time. Well, not that one club that has to play in the playoff, but for, for, for everyone else. For the spectator to be able to go watch a game like that. How and for how many teams be? How many teams in the uh, the division below that are playing up the last five weeks knowing, if we win four or chance. five yeah, in a row. Got a playoff. Yeah, got it, got and a playoff. it gives you, it gives, there's so many less dead games in that. Which, which and I'll, this is the reason why. Because yeah. it gives them that, rather than one up, one down, where you're going to have a runaway lead and you go, the rest go, okay. And then done. you're locked in second or third for the last few weeks. Games yeah. don't matter. You've got dead rubbers all over the place. Matter. Whereas now it does. It makes a massive difference because you've got an opportunity to play against one of the teams here to, to get bumped into the MPL. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it, Tommy? You must be uh, licking your lips at the, the prospect of some of these potential uh, playoff games. It's a payoff for him because <laughs> he gets to commentate on them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, the one-off games are great because, as we saw in the Cup during the week, um, they're games with tension. And I think the Florida, uh, sorry, the Inglewood Sorrento game on Tuesday, for example, in wet, windy, pretty ordinary conditions, yeah, it wasn't the greatest game for football technically. But from a tension standpoint, those games have got just about more on them than anything else in the whole season because there's a place on the national stage available. There's a place in the state cup final available. And those games at the back end of the season, those playoff matches are also going to be sort of box office affairs. So, yeah, the more of those games, the better, From not just from a neutral standpoint. But I think it's also good for the players as well. Maybe not good if you come out on the losing side, but for young players to be given that that opportunity to taste that atmosphere when you're in a must-win, high-pressure scenario, uh, it can only be a good thing for the game going forward as a whole. Matt, you, um, you, you mentioned Sorrento there, and um, you did have an interview with him, but I, could you just give us a, a couple more seconds on, on Dean Cummings because he's been on the goals quite a, like, quite a while recently. I, I, almost every other week where I see them play in the, in, and they score, he's on, the, he's on the scoring sheet. Do you want to transition to that game now? No, no, oh, yeah, give us a few, a few couple of minutes on it. We did talk a bit and we put the snippet in for the, uh, the full-time whistle, which is now the Patreon exclusive. So Khalid will put a little a snip in from that in, in a bit. But uh, give, give us a, the absolute um, most briefest rundown you can and then talk a little bit about Dean because, yeah, his performances have been outstanding. I, I just wanted to have a quick word on Glory as well, if I can. Um, Please do. They were, on the other side, they were on the other side of that coin. Um, that was a big win for them. That, that was the game between two out-of-form teams going into the weekend. They've got four home games in a row now. Um, so whilst the ladder position doesn't necessarily reflect um, that they're well clear or anything like that because it's still so tight, um, that'll give them plenty of confidence. And Matthew George's hat-trick, shout out to him. Two of his three goals were sensational and Jaden Gorman's pearler at the end was good Matthew as well. Matthew George, so, two first Matt- names. Yeah, can't trust him. Yeah, so so there was an element of some of those goals were fantastic, despite the, the heavy concessions of Bayswater. Um, in terms of Red Star Sorrento, great first half. Um, three goals in the first seven minutes, um, two Dean Cummings goals. Um, they sort of jumped them at the start almost. Um, <laughs> maybe a little bit of an element of wanting some revenge after that heavy 7-1 defeat in round three. Um, Daryl Nickel answered quickly, and then it was really open and really sort of back and forth. Chances at each end, Marilanda hit the bar, and, and Paddy Hughes made two good saves in the first half. And in that second period, um, the rain came down. It was coming sideways. It was quite horrible and muddy, particularly in the middle of the pitch at Red Star Arena. But because Sorrento had that lead, they had something to hold on to, and they defended well. They managed the clock well. They, they certainly weren't rushing to take their throws. They were drawing fouls through Marilanda. 
and Red Star weren't able to get their counter-attack going. Um, but it, it, to, to Kalichi's point, the, the inspiration for me in the middle of the park was was Dean Cummings and Joe Tweets as well. Um, those two just run, run, run. And, and those performances for me with the um, with, with the epitome of um, why Sorrento were able to work and, and put pressure on the midfield, the likes of Higgins, make sure they weren't able to pick passes to the final third and, and be able to get a fantastic result, which they did. And um, we've said it before, if, if Sorrento can get themselves into a decent enough position and maybe Steve McGarry can do a little bit of work in this week while the transfer window is still open, there might not be. Uh, there might still be hope that they can make the top four. Oh, mate! There is. We're looking at the table now. There is hope. Anyone? There is hope. Inglewood can make the top four. Like they are. They are only seven points off, and we know teams can can drop points to anyone. Uh, that's not saying I would pick Inglewood to make the top four. I think there are. They're probably favourites for relegation at this point. Uh, but well, what an interesting game they got this week. Uh, what? Please, Inglewood. They've got Bayswater. Oh well, there you go. And that, so this is tenth versus twelfth. Yeah, uh, Inglewood can jump them. That's big. It's a massive game. It's a huge. Mass- and Floria have got Perth Red Star. Yeah, at home. Yeah. So again, it's 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 gonna and, put a, and put look, a muddle in the in the old uh, in the old ladder. And look, Inglewood Inglewood had a got, did get a point on the weekend against Armadale. Little stalemate there. And if Armadale will look at that as two points dropped. Obviously, looking at the table, yeah. they yeah. could they could potentially be one point off top. As things stand at at Armadale, so it's it's all there to be won. Uh, did you have any anything you saw from that Inglewood Armadale uh, stalemate, Tommy? Obviously, uh, not a, no goals at all. Um, but any I, any points there? I had a look at the second half um, on Saturday night, and I spoke to somebody from Inglewood uh, over the course of the weekend, and and they they admitted that if it weren't for Alex Don in the uh, in the Inglewood goal that they, they probably would have lost that game so it certainly seemed like as you say Sean that Armadale maybe let two points slip there um, but that could be a handy point for Inglewood and it might just give them that little bit of a confidence boost going forward particularly after they got through the round of 32 in the cup midweek Yep definitely moving on Coburn Perth a 1-0 win to the Cockrells this is uh, this is classic Coburn isn't it going into a game uh, not necessarily They only had one shot on target. Not necessarily being in the best of form and and against a team that have been in quite good form recently in Perth um one shot on target one goal go home with the three points thank you very much Any anything from there Tommy uh, well, no, nothing really other than I think that was probably, for me anyway, that was probably the, the upset result of the weekend because I, I thought Coburn, particularly after that cup game midweek, would be um, would, would be maybe a little leggy. Um, as weirdly enough, I thought all of those teams would be given the... Um, given the exertions of midweek, but obviously three of them ended up getting results and, and it was only Floriot who ended up losing. So um, that, that was quite interesting. But I, I suppose with Perth, they, they'd won three of their previous four games. They'd gone up to fifth and they were seemingly making moves. So that'll be a really disappointing one for them that they've not been able to sort of continue that momentum in, in what I'm sure they would have thought would have been a winnable game. Yeah, definitely. That, that's As I say, if you go into a game against Coburn and you think you're going to win and you think you're pretty odds on to win, there's every chance you're not going to win because yeah. they uh that's just what they do they don't, I absolutely love them but uh if I, I would hate to be a real fan uh because <laughs> geez, they they pick you up one week and then let you down the following week it's so so often their way but this was one of their up weeks uh we've obviously already talked about Perth Glory Bayswater the 6-3 there if you want to hear about Balcata Etna nil Olympic Kingsway 3 we talked a lot about that on the full time whistle if you want to hear about Sterling Macedonia 2 Florida Athena 1 likewise we talked about all that on the full time whistle 
Whistle. For those of you that don't know, uh, the Full Time Whistle now is our Patreon uh, exclusive where we sort of go in depth on on the, the games we get to. It might be one, might be two, might be three. We'll talk about all the rest as we normally do on the Monday. This will always stay free, this show. Um, but if you've got the $6 spare a month, please sign up to the Patreon. Get that Full Time Whistle. They, they're getting a little bit longer as well, a little bit beefier. Uh, we've got on the line our little uh, podcast for prospective uh, punters. We want to have a little look at the odds before the weekend. Uh, Cleach and I do not take these bets. Kalichi is a player, registered player, so he is not allowed to gamble uh, on the on the leagues. But um, if if you do, uh, or like, the A League for some strange reason, if you do like to do any that league. sort of thing, well, then any, um, sorry, any league. Nope, you're out. England, wherever. Oh my days! Ah, uh, you've already broken oh. some rules by the sounds. Ah, uh, no, no, no. That's the last bet that I made was when Liverpool lost to Real Madrid, and that was while I was not a registered footballer player. In the UK. Oh, he skirts around the bulls. I'm glad, I'm glad he's he he registered. He's not a player any other time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with all that being said, Kalichi, you hit a little clip there from the uh, full-time whistle on the weekend. This is the sort of quality uh, that you're going to get about uh, uh, naked Dave Perich uh, <laughs> if you tune into the, the full-time whistle and, and pay that extra money. Spoke about, uh, you know, the interview there. Mitch Oxbury, he's just signed from Perth Glory. Massive signing. And they've got incredible depth in midfield. They didn't have Josh Sampson today. He was suspended for too many yellow cards. And they still had Mitch Oxbury, Tyler Garner, uh, David Perich, who picked up the obligatory David Perich yellow it. card late in the first half <laughs> for, uh, for, a sliding, for a sliding tackle to stop a counterattack. Dave, we love you. Kalichi loves Dave. Love always has. I'm, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan. Do, 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 let me tell you why. I'm not the big, as big a fan of Dave as everybody. Uh, I went to try and get an interview with him after the game because I knew he was a big uh, fan of and friend of the pod. Uh, and he was nude and couldn't come outside. And I just... And it was an audio interview. So he could have been nude. It would have been absolutely fine. <laughs> you could have waited for him to put some clothes on. You just wanted to get out no, to they the sent pub. Out, they sent out Callum O'Connell instead, which was absolutely fine. I mean, it's no Dave Perridge, but... <laughs> And uh, I do need to mention that Dave did reply to us on the Patreon and say that he does own a towel. So next time, uh, Dave, I'll be I'll be seeing you with the towel. I, look, I don't or care. Or without. If, with or without, mate. I, I just want to hear your voice and, and uh, talk about football because that's what we're there for. But um, What was the line that you mentioned about uh, speaking and just talk, talking to the right microphone? <laughs> That's all. Oh, that is just that is just gutter humour, and that's uh, I'm I'm not about that. You get, come on, guys. As long as it doesn't look like your beard, Sean, we're okay. <laughs> well, it kind of does with the the, oh, the padding. On the thing. Anyway, anyway, seventies like porn. Uh, I was show. talking about the microphone uh, looking like my beard, not the anyway. You've you've it takes a lot to rattle me over, but you've um you've done it. So uh, <laughs> congratulations. I'm going to sub off. I'm going to take that as uh, as my cue. Before you go, Nova, yeah. uh, did you get some news about the where the final would be held or the playoff games would be held? Yeah, potentially. Well. I believe it's going to be the state football centre. Yep. Awesome, which, which providing good. all so, good. And I think, go. yeah, and I think it's it. Having looked at a lot of the photos, it's going to be an amazing state. Uh, that is that is absolutely fantastic news. I, I the the playoffs for relegation is just it's such a good thing. I think it can only be good for exposure for entertainment. Um, we're going to have potentially uh, potentially yours truly uh, emceeing Tommy Dolman on the on the call for a big game between a potential promotion and Florida or Bayswater hanging by a thread, maybe going down. It's uh, the excitement is palpable. I can't wait, Kalichi. The, the only one that I do have a question about, and it's been raised a couple of times, is the difference between the amateur teams who could go up and the state of two team who could go down because their league finishes four or five weeks earlier. Yeah, so again, it's the same as any other year. Yeah. It'll be top up, bottom down. Um, otherwise, second will go into a playoff uh, with with bottom. Yeah. 
So it'll just be it'll just be one team going into the playoff. It won't be second, third, fourth. I, I don't believe so. I, ha- I did check that t- yesterday. I think cool. or today, and I believe that's it's that hasn't changed. But again, I'm happy to be proven wrong, um, which it's regular while I'm at Football West. But I mean, you, you were wrong on Sunday. I'm just yeah. I should have sent you off <laughs> for being garbage, persistently bad. Yeah, there, there, if only there was a rule. I'm sure Northworth would be doing a lot better if they. There, there is a rumor about a persistent because apparently there was a a, a referee in WA cautioned Bobby Despotovsky for persistently being offside. So there is a persistent foul, but apparently he booked him for persistently being offside. That's the oh, rumor. Wow. The, people, the people in Zagi. Yeah, it's great. If that's true, I will have to ask uh, yeah. Bob to see if I mean, it's, it's, it is, if you're looking just in the realms of the rules, yeah. if you are persistently fouling. It says persistent. Yeah. It doesn't say, yeah. If you're, you're still causing a, an infringement by being uh, offside. Yeah. And if you're I like it. I'll imagine if you're, you're up 1-0. Though, wouldn't you? You'd be pissed. You're up, you're up to be fair, your team wants you off your anyway. If that's probably why he's offside all the time if he's pissed. But anyway, let's uh, let's go out on that one, mate, and we'll uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll talk about all the women's MPL and uh, with a little focus on Pete Rackage. Congrats again. Well, congrats once again, Pete. Uh, we'll be back after this. And before we dive back into part two, we just want to send a quick thank you out to Balance and Revive Massage Therapy, our latest sponsors here at the Perth Football Podcast. And if you want to get 10% off remedial and sports massages, just go and say hi uh, from the Perth Football Podcast. Use the code PFP23. Uh, that's PFP23. And you get 10% off all remedial and sports massages at Balance and Revive. You can find them in Carambine at 1 Hobson's Gate. And we are back to the Perth Football Podcast. We're here for part two. Pete finally gets his mention and we spend some time on it. And we are joined. We've had to make a tactical substitution. Uh, Sean Fry's fitness testing hasn't been going that well, but he's managed to get through 45 minutes today. And But we're delighted to have the world's greatest man, actually Perth's greatest man, actually Maccabi's greatest man. Uh, well, getting I'm getting smaller each time. It's getting smaller, yeah. I'm, get, I'm getting more minutes on the podcast today than I did on <laughs> Sunday, so. Oh, jeez. But apparently the footy scran was great in Port Kennedy. We'll talk about that later. Um, what we want to talk about is, to start with, is Perth SC getting a win. Back to winning ways, breaking their uh, snap couple draws. Uh, obviously, they had the draw to Mum FC last week and the draw to uh, Perth Ritz the week before. Ended up with a four... 4-2 win with a Jess Flannery hat trick, but most importantly, Pete Rackage has beaten his best friend in a game of football. <laughs> it's finally broken the hoodoo. Finally broken the hoodoo. But uh, Tommy, did you catch any parts of the game? I've, I saw some of the goals, and there's a, a goal of the season contender from Grace Johnson. The goals were fantastic. Um, Jess Flannery's hat trick was really well taken, a close range effort to start, and then um, she was sort of slipped through by Monique Godding and, and finished low and low and hard, and then the um, the third of them was just about the best of the lot. She she nicked the ball off two NCC defenders and then sort of ran in twenty five yards out and arrowed it into the corner. So she looked no, great so ha- determined on that run. She did, and um, yeah, it, it was really interesting to see her and Ella Lincoln link up. Um, Ella Lincoln got the other goal. Not a bad strike either. Mind a, a solo run, and then uh, and then a sort of powerful drive. I thought that was the um, best which, of the lot. Which put Perth two up early, and um, yeah, I think it's an interesting one. As you, as you mentioned, Kalichi, they got those two draws um, against Mom FC and, and Perth Red Star, and on the face of it, they're pretty credible points on the road. But I'm sure Pete would be frustrated with the league position that they are so far behind uh, Red Star, and they're even I think still four points behind Fremantle City. So look, injuries have cost them perhaps in terms of 
been able to sustain that run. Um, but there's certainly plenty of positives to take. And some of those obviously include Flannery and, and, and Lincoln, who are sort of coming to the fore. I, I think Monique Godding's having an outstanding season as well. I think we've got to... Um, I think we've sort of got to sort of have a bit more of a look into that because we, we sort of give a lot of the plaudits to some of the other midfielders around the league, Kagami being one of them. Um, I think Laura Waltman's going to be right up there in the gold medal shout as well. But Monique Godding, she, for me, has been one of the most consistent players over the past few seasons. Um, in the in the NPL women's in general, um, even from her time at Balcada, and she's carried that form straight over to Perth and, and if not even exceeded that. So um, a little shout out for her because I think she goes largely unnoticed in a team full of sort of star attacking players that we give shout outs to every weekend, the likes of Crane, Lamont, Meekins, uh, Flannery this week, Lincoln as well. But uh, she's, she's really been a sort of steadying force in the middle of the park for Perth. That third goal, the hat-trick goal for Jess Flannery was her in a nutshell. Um, so I, I coached her back in Kalgoorlie and and also... We need to get a Kalgoorlie some, thing. I also did some coaching... I also did some coaching against her, mate. Every mate, every time you bring up North Perth, we're not getting on your back, right? So I never bring here. North Perth up. Dog people, parks. People Dog bring parks. North Perth up for me. I never bring I, North. I actually Perth bring up. it up to take the piss out of Kalichi. That's probably the only time. He's he's actually pretty good, Josh. He hey, doesn't bring it up that much. Anyway, he doesn't I'm even a, mention it when he's playing either. I'm about to say something nice, and then he cuts. Yeah, I know oh, you're right. You're right. So. Uh, she is determined. She's a silent assassin. I think I spoke to you before. Like she, she doesn't say that much off the pitch, but when she's on the pitch, she's got this just dogged determination about her. She's so quick, but she's got great feet as well. And she had that season in Kalgoorlie before she came out to Perth to to play for Perth SC, where she scored ninety one goals. Yeah. Uh, which you know, it doesn't matter who you're playing against in in just about any competition. You scored ninety one goals in a fifteen game season, then you're doing pretty well. Um, and I, and I think, and, and I'm a bit of a shout out for, for Football West. I know people knock them a lot. And uh, I was actually the first person to have this role out in Kalgoorlie. But over the last few years, they brought in development officers out to the region. It's, mean, it's meant that there's been more trips. There's a talent support program. Jess and Tanika, who was playing for the NTC, who's been identified for young Matildas, they were in the first cohort of the talent support program that I had over in Kalgoorlie. And his story about Jess and we did some fitness testing. Uh, we got an exercise physiologist out to do fitness testing for all the kids in the talent support program. And there was one time when we did the, uh, uh, one of the tests they did was a plank. And they were like, oh, right, we'll see how long you're doing the plank. And everyone's popping up, dropping off, dropping off, dropping off. And Jess is just there and she gets to five minutes and she keeps going and he goes, just, just stop. Once you get to five <laughs> minutes, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and that's that, like, that, that's almost that, that's that determination right there. Five minutes is crazy. <laughs> Like, absolutely crazy. Um, also want to give a shout out to, like I said, Grace Johnson, who had a screamer, um, and mm. SQ Brookin for also getting on the score sheet as well. Um, and if you haven't heard, Grace Johnson and Georgia Cassidy have been selected to join the Perth Glory, um, the Perth Glory training squad. I'm not too sure if they're in the first team, but they will be in and around that team. Do you know more about that, Nova? It, I don't, but it actually looks like they're part of the A-League squad. The way it seems, the way I read it, anyway, that yeah. Perth Glory had put out. So, and again, irrespective if it's train on squad or not, it, it's a great opportunity for them to to be in a, you know, in a more professional. Oh, you know, and that's the pathway you're going NTC, you're going into into Perth Glory, and you're following that sort of pathway of professionalism into from from where you've been at Clubland through to to your NTC through to your to Glory. So they've done the right things, and for their clubs, associations, and and now. NTC into Perth Glory, it's yeah, good opportunity for them and, and congratulations to them to, to for getting that far. You mentioned the professionalism aspect. I think that's one thing that um was told 
um, to us by one of the NCC uh, staff was that they actually do get they all get paid to be there and mm-hmm. paid to train and paid, yep. and paid to be in that environment. And that's got to be just such a huge uh, difference for them. It just, again, to put you in that mindset, to put you in that environment, um, hopefully they take that that step and go kind of leaps and bounds and potentially make first team debuts as well. Yeah, it's a reward for effort. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, they have to work hard. They're going to be training more. Um, obviously, they can't work if they work part-time or whatever it is. They have to take that away. So it is that... Uh, incentive uh, to, to be able to train and become more professional. It's, it's a win-win for them. Um, Tommy, had anything to add? I was just about to say, it's, um, it, it, it really is awesome because um, we, we sort of, I mean, I've, I've been sort of doing the commentary on the on the NPL Women's Era since it began and, and those were sort of two players that sort of came onto the radar quite early, both of them technically good and, and both of them very um, tactically intelligent as well. And that and that's all sort of down to the coaching and the hard work that the likes of Ben and all of his coaching staff do. So they deserve plenty of kudos and plenty of credit as well. And, and the program's certainly um, um, delivering in terms of the talent that it is um, that, that, is, that is sort of coming through the ranks. But I, it's just a really cool thing um, personally, having sort of watched these players grow and having watched them mature and develop over the past few seasons in calling the games, um, that it does sort of culminate with them getting this opportunity. And um, it, it certainly does make you sort of um, sit back and, and sort of take notice and, and, and want to keep an eye on their progress as we sort of have with other players who have sort of left the league and gone over east. Oh, that's a perfect transition for me to talk about a player who went over east but has come back now. Um, Tommy, we were at the Balcata um, Perth Red Star game um, where Baxter Chew has obviously returned from playing with Bankstown Sydney, uh, Bankstown City Lions. Um, she made her debut for Balcata in it, but she was playing in centre midfield. Um, and the poor thing, we found out that she been like severely undercooked in terms of playing time and running time and got 90 minutes center midfield and she was obviously one of the best center backs in the league when she played for mum fc um but she didn't have the best games and yeah kind of feel sorry for her because if you're going up against any team and you're playing center midfield uh sarah carroll jay coleman and rena kagami are probably the worst players you want to be coming up against when you're playing center midfield for the first time yeah, um, it's interesting because when I saw that um, Baxter was on the team sheet at the weekend, I call, I kind of automatically assumed that that would mean that uh, Kim McCartney would step into midfield and, and Baxter is one of the, the best defenders I've certainly seen at MPL women's level over the past few years. You weren't the only one, Tommy. Would probably stop in. Would probably step in alongside Elizabeth Douse. But but it was interesting to see her playing in midfield. I'm not sure whether that was to try and maybe match up against um, Red Star's physical midfield, as you mentioned before, Kalichi with Coleman and Kagami and and um, Carol as that sort of triumvirate. I thought Carol was magnificent at the base of the midfield. She she sort of dictated the game and didn't really give Balcatter a sniff as they sort of tried to develop a passage. Um, forward to try and supply the line, the, the likes of me, Prinzel and Tia Stonehill. Um, it was a frustrating afternoon for them. Um, we'll sort of come on to them a little bit more in a second. But um, from a Red Star perspective, um, you just run out of words. You don't need to sort of describe just the job that, that, that Carlos continues to do and that the players have just sort of carried on, I suppose, after that fantastic year last year. They've only conceded six goals in the league this year, which is quite a remarkable figure. I think they only conceded nine in the whole of last year. So that's that's 15 goals in um, very roughly off the top of my head, 33 games. And that's not even including top four. So um, it's a sensational team effort that they continue to um, display. And it is just the epitome of a team who are on the same wavelength, who know exactly what they're doing, um, who, who are drilled... Um, 
perfectly by the coaching staff as to what their 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 goal is in each and every game, and they execute it to perfection. Eight less than any other team. Yeah. Hey Tommy, can you can you see anyone taking the league off them? I can't. In my that's my honest opinion. I mean, we've they've got nine games to go. They're f- four points in front. Um, can you see anyone? I mean, Fremantle. Uh, Four points behind with nine to go. I mean, they've only they're conceded. The yeah, they're the only team I can see realistically the having a crack, and they've got NTC this week um, with Red Star playing Subiaco. So it potentially, dependent on how that one goes, it, it really could almost, you know, finish it off um, with the week later, um, you know, Fremantle having having to play mum. So they've got two tough games, you know, They've got a f- playing fifth this week and then fourth the following, uh, whereas Red Star have got Subiaco um, and then and then NTC the week after. It, it's it it almost could be, you know, done and dusted within the next two to three weeks. You would think. They're, they're the ones, Nova. They've won five games in a row, so they are probably aside from Red Star the form team in the league. The question is just can they make up those four points now? The, Big game in three weeks' time. Uh, Fremantle City are hosting Perth Red Star at Hilton Park. So that's going to be a special um, fixture, I think. Um, we saw them play at a 3-2 game in the first meeting in June up earlier in the year, and I'm, I'm expecting one very similar again um, in the second round of games. But can they hold on? Um, can they can they sort of maintain that four-point differential in the meantime? Uh, I think Red Star have got Subiaco this week and then Mum FC the following week away on a Friday. So um, they're games that you'd probably expect them to win on paper. Can, can Fremantle get the points against NTC and Mum FC? Um, that, that'll be the interesting one. But they've certainly got the players to go deep. They've certainly got the squad. Um, Michaela Lyons and Kayla McCulloch are both on the bench at the weekend. They're quite handy options to have. Um, Siobhan Longmore's out of the team at the moment, I think. Um, and they've got um, they've got Laura Waltman in um, probably the best form I've seen her since I've been sort of watching the, the Women's League here in WA. Um, and, and when you've got players like Jamie Lee Gale, who was obviously suspended at the weekend to come back, and, and, and Abby Green and, and Tash Rigby in the team, you've certainly got every chance of, um, of going deep into the season. It's just can they make up that difference? I think you've got to pay credit to Faye Chambers for the switch that she's done with Laura Waltman. I don't know if that was uh, enforced at the start of the season because they were lacking bodies in midfield and it was a, a stopgap solution that just turned out to, to work by coincidence. But uh, the decision to move her from centre-back into a ball-playing role uh, at the front of the midfield... Has, so much more freedom now. And, and it's just the, the amount of chances that they're getting purely from her being able to use the pace that she has and, and the quality she has on the ball to take on defenders rather than stop attackers has just seems like it's opened up an entirely new dimension for Fremantle as a team and for, and for Waltman as a player. I think Waltman... Everyone seems to forget that she's already a gold medalist. So she, she's a quality player, irrespective now the change. She's now just given more opportunity to show her class. I mean, she had already done it, I think it was two years ago maybe, mm. where, where she, she had won it. Um, but again, it's, it's yeah, like you said, it's it's a different opportunity in playing in a different role, which gives her more time on the ball, I think, and that's what it is, and that's where her quality is now coming out. All right, look, we'll, we'll touch on to Fremantle in a second. I'll, we'll get you back to talk about Fremantle in a second. I've just got to make sure that we um, play the snippet that we had from an interview with Jay Coleman, who was in the goals as well. Uh, it was her and Rena Kagami who played a, a pivotal role and as you mentioned they were they were supported at the base by Kim Ka- by Sarah Carroll not Kim Carroll um, supported at the base by Sarah Carroll who just gave them so much freedom so yeah check out this interview that we've got this quick little snippet uh, interview with uh, Jay Coleman 
Perth Football Podcast. Kalicho Sunwa down here at Grindelwald Reserve with Jake Holman. Jay, 4-0 win. I'm sure it didn't look as easy. It wasn't as easy as it looked out there, but give us your thoughts on the team's overall performance. Yeah, look, um, I'm like extremely happy with the game. Um, we went out there. Every time we come to this ground, we know it's going to be a hard-fought match. Um, we were up for it today, and literally from the minute the whistle blew, we were just um, on point. We played really well. Um, we've been working on a lot of things, and everything just seemed to have come together today, so it was really good. You mentioned everything kind of coming together. Uh, it hasn't been like that every single week. The last game I saw was the, was the Perth game, where you did have a, a fair few chances. It just didn't quite take them away but it does look like you're becoming that well-oiled machine again where it doesn't matter who comes in or who's playing in what position, everyone knows what's going on. So how's, how's that kind of maintained at training or how's that maintained in the dressing room as well from, your, from, from the leaders like yourselves? Yeah, look, I think um, we train with our under-21s um, every week as well. So a lot of those girls are involved in all of our training sessions and I think it really helps them, um, especially coming in just you know like Abby comes on scores goals Quinn comes on makes a difference so everyone's making an impact and I think it all comes down to training and and like we're a really good close tight-knit team and I think that helps out too. Yeah I see the, the tightness win lose or draw at the end of every game you all huddle up together and have a quick chat and that's always good to see and one of the things that we thought about last year was that you know, with Larry being away, there's there's a huge bunch of goals that need to be kind of replaced. But between yourself, who got on the score sheet again today, and Kagami, who also got another goal today, and we gave her the um, Ballantyne Revive player of the game, you're still finding ways to score goals. So has that been something that's been drilled into yourself and to the other midfielders to make sure you're getting higher up the pitch? Yeah, for sure. We've, um, I mean, Rainer's been Kagami. She's been an yeah. excellent addition to our team. She's come in, um, doesn't speak a lot of English and somehow still manages to just go out there and do her thing, scores lots of goals for us. Um, but all around as a collective, you know, we've been working hard at, at scoring and getting shots off because I think a lot of the time we try and put the ball in the back, of, like literally dribble the ball in the back of the net. Um, so the last few weeks we've really been really working on shooting and stuff. So seems to be coming together. Well, you worked on shooting, you got yourself another goal as well, so how's that feel to still be getting the score sheet? <laughs> yeah, it feels awesome. Look, I've had a bit of a drought, so I'm, <laughs> I'm stoked that the last two weeks I've actually managed to score. <laughs> um, but look, thank you so much for your time, Jay. Really appreciate it. Always good seeing you, and um, good seeing Kiwis flying as well. Yeah, love it. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Yes. Thank you so much, Jay, for the interview. Always good seeing Kiwis fly. Um, we'll go straight back into talking about Fremantle City. They had a good win. It was a 3-1 win. It wasn't easy. It was, um, you don't like flying Kiwis? They don't fly. They can't fly. Yeah, I, I, I get uh, it. Sean will, Sean, will, Sean will hit you up for that one later. Uh, it's, it, there's a lot of play on words in that. But um, look, going back into the Fremantle City, gentlemen, um, they were up 1-0. Uh, I think it was Tash Rigby who did some terrific work marauding down the wing, and she's got a new attacking um, role as well, just using her energy at tenacity and her yeah, pace. She scored her first goal after about 100 and something games for Perth Glory, and now she can't stop. Yeah, she's been scoring for fun as well. I think she got on the score sheet today on the, on the weekend as well, um, but it was 
1-0, it was 2-1, sorry, it was 1-0, 1-1, 2-1, 3-1. And again, from like a Subiaco's perspective, they're always in these games. They're, they're like, they're never getting, they're never getting trounced. They're, they're always there or they're about it. And it might just be a case of a lack of quality. But when you do have the likes of Karis Hawkins, when you do have the likes of Tasha Rigby, when you do have the likes of um, Laura Waltman, and again, in that more advanced role, their hearts, their hearts are play against. And I'm, I'm, again, I don't want to look too far ahead in terms of that game in three weeks' time, but I do want to go see them play soon. I just wanted to hit on a point that Josh made before we uh, we listened to that interview with with Jay, and in terms of the the positional change of Laura Waltman um, coming back the other way was Annabelle Leak. Um, Annabelle Leak's a player who was um, when I again a few years ago now she was probably a central attacking midfielder or, or a right winger, and and she's sort of done the Elizabeth Doust um, transformation in terms of heading back into the centre of defence and. What she does is she she's, as a result of her midfield time, she's a really good ball player out of the back. And she's putting together an outstanding season in defence as well for Fremantle City. And, um, and and the other player that's sort of come in who's been playing regularly in defence is Catherine Adams, um, who, along with um, Olivia Truman, uh, came across from NTC last season. Um, and Truman obviously scored at the weekend and is leading the line for them. So... Um, they, they've got a lot of depth and, and they've got a lot of options. And, um, yeah, big, big big shout out to them as well. Um, because, obviously, when you are young players, um, Sophie Osborne, another one who got the assist for Rigby's goal at the weekend, and it's hard to, to come in and, and to make an impact into a team with, with so many um, players with experience, like Walton, like Gail, like Kat Yukich when, she, when she's in the team as well. But, but they're sort of making their mark and contributing just as much as the senior players. Do you know what the uh, the deal is with Abby Green at all, Tommy? Because uh, she was she wasn't on the team sheet on the weekend, and we did get told a few weeks ago she might be going away. H- have you heard anything yourself? I've not heard anything, but I've I've heard the same as you, Josh. And assuming that she's involved with the uh, Glory Women's team again, uh, then that'll be interesting to see uh, when they do go back into training. Final game of the round was, of course, Curtin University zero, Mum FC ten. Um, but the big takeaway from there is we've got a new top goal scorer in the league. Sam Mather's bagging four, and yeah, she looks like she is in imperious form right now. Yeah, it looks good. Um, again, like you said, scored another bag full two the week before. Um, just seems to be doing everything right. And, and it's not just putting the ball away. She, she just gets involved wherever she can. Um, and I think that's that's the most important thing there for, for mum themselves, um, just getting her involved and, and doing what she needs to do. Did you manage to catch any other interesting goals from that one, Tommy? Uh, well, well, interestingly, with with Mathers, uh, you guys had um, Katie Schuber on the pod last week, didn't you? And she was sort of um, praising Mathers and, and said that she was probably leading the club's best and, best and fairest. And then, um, sure enough, she goes out and scores four the next week. So uh, Katie certainly wasn't wrong. Um, another interesting player they've got who scored a hat-trick at the weekend, Jessica Johnson, um, uh, another teenager who's sort of coming through the ranks, who's um, a very exciting player, and she scored a couple of fantastic goals at the weekend as well. So, um, look, I think um, I think we sort of maybe just overlook slightly um, the work that Murdoch University Melbourne have done with their young players. Um, obviously, it was a pretty sort of sharp transition after the, the two-time title-winning squads in, in 2020 and 2021, which was so good to watch. They had that little bit of a reset year, blooded a lot of young players, and they certainly looked better for that experience last year. And um, it, it, it certainly looks as though they're going to be deep in the race for um, for the top four positions. And I, I don't think many of us um, had them sort of up and around that mark at the beginning of the season in terms of where we thought they would end up. So um, that's a testament to 
I suppose the, the appetite of um, the young players, um, the senior players who are guiding them, the coaching staff, um, David Biancuso is doing a really good job there. And, and, and obviously, um, yeah, it, it is actually a really good story because um, they, they also play some really good football as well. It's not just the um, the young players coming through showing energy, kick and rush. They, they play some really good stuff too. So, yeah, thoroughly impressed with them. Yeah, Jess Johnson, uh, we were told last week, plays in the, the 14s MPL side as well. So she's doing the... Uh She's doing the under fourteens on on the Sunday. She's doing the the women's on the Friday Fridays, or they do Friday nights, or sometimes I guess Sunday mornings and Sunday Sunday days. So she she's had a really impressive season. Sam Mathers. I mean, if we had you know the NBA's most improved player award, oh my god, we had one of those. I think my she would goodness. just be there, there. Wouldn't be anybody else you'd be talking about right now because she went from you know a bit part player who, who they were happy to you know stick in goals for times because they they needed someone to fill that role when they didn't have anyone available to someone that you, you just couldn't put in there, could you? Because she's so pivotal to what they do on the pitch. The, the way she took the 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 bull by the horns, the, the, the game uh, against Perth uh, last week and slammed home those those two big goals and she was unlucky to, to be involved with, with the play that, that wound up with Perth getting the equaliser. But, but she's just had an incredible season. If you get a chance, go look at her goal against um, Curtin this week. There's one transition of play where... She's she's just she's just got this utter confidence about herself, and she did it against um, Perth as well, where she's cutting it on the left hand side, and she's just shaping up that defender, and you know she's going to go on her right foot, you know she's going to go right, but she sells you the chicken wing with the left hand, dips inside, drops the shoulder, goes to the right hand side, and she smashes it into the near post, and I think she's now got it to a point where she can go near post or far post, and but it's it's not just the way that she's like there is this slow assuredness. That, that is pretty freakish to think about because a lot of people are trying to do that as quickly as possible. You're, you're, you're really much in a rush, but she's taking the time. It looks like the game's going slow for her right now, and it looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, two, go on, Tommy. Go on, though. No, you're right. No, I, I was just about to say two, two, sort, of, two sort of additional footnotes um, from that game from me anyway. Um, Charlie Wainwright's leadership as well. Um, thrown in as sort of a young captain. She was an inaugural player with, with Mom FC and, and she's sort of been there from the very start of the NPL women's era and uh, she's in the second year of leading this young team now. And um, we, I mentioned Monique Godding before as a bit of a shout out in terms of a, 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 an under the radar excellent season. Charlie Wainwright's putting one of those together. And secondly, Mum FC are fourth, and this weekend is a massive game. They're at home to Balcata on the Saturday night, and we know how much Balcata need to win and and win soon. I know they've got that game in hand, um, but they need points on the board. And if they drop that one against the fourth-place team, um, then that's going to be a very precarious position for them in terms of trying to make up the ground. So well, they, they'll, they'll um, be three games out big, if they do that. It's a big week. Three games yeah. out if they do that, Tommy. What's that it's stat a big that you one. told me the, uh, during the game the other day about Balcata's finishing positions the last couple of seasons for me? Well, they've, they've finished sixth in all three seasons of the MPL WA Women's competition um, prior to this one, and they're currently sixth at the moment. And un- unless they can get a win at the weekend, as Josh said, they'll be nine points off it. Um, it it's going to be a, a long way back for them. Um, it's a long time to be running. Season. Considering as well, they've already played Curtin twice as well. It's a long time to be running in place, isn't it, Kelly? Yeah, that's, uh, that's how they call hustling backwards. But look, um, Tommy, we are going to leave you, mate. Thank you so much for your time. We're going to go in and do a quick amateur hour. We might talk a little bit about food. Uh, so any more for any more from yourself, Tommy? Um, only that the Australia Cup draw is on Wednesday night. Inglewood and Floriot, obviously, are representatives from WA. Uh, we obviously 
selfishly hope they get a home draw because we'd love to go and see them, but the boys are wanting a trip away and a, um, and, and a good experience. So, yeah, keep keep an eye out for that one. I think that's 5 o'clock Western time on, on Wednesday. If you can get to your laptops or you can um, or you can watch it on the television, I'm sure it'll be streamed somewhere as well. And, um, yeah, we'll, be, we'll, we'll hopefully try and get some reaction to that as well and, and maybe do a little mini pod, what do you reckon, Kel? Yeah, we'll try to do that. Uh, if we can get, if I can get out of work early on the Wednesday, maybe Josh can get out of work early. Josh just said no really coaching. Uh, yeah, if I can get out of work early, um, then yeah, I'll definitely try to meet up with you and see if we can catch up, catch up with one of the clubs. Tommy, thank you so very much, mate. Appreciate your time as always. See you, boys. Bye. See you, bud. Bye. All right, let's get into amateur hour. <laughs> Wasn't a great amateur hour for me. But uh, a decent amateur hour for yourself, Nova, until you got sworn at. Because uh, it wasn't a bad game. It wasn't a bad game that you were covering. I thought it was a really good game. I had, uh, I think it was first versus third at the time. Um, so, yeah, uh, North Perth versus uh, Jags uh, against the Jaguar. Um, good game up until I think it was about the 30th minute where uh, I was abused. Um, and, again, it's about bringing this back into line and, and not allowing players to talk to referees like that. It's all well and good in conversation, but when it becomes abusive, that's when it's got to stop. Um, and so, yeah, brought that into line. And unfortunately, what happens there is my my mentality, my, the way I referee game changes as well because you need to then draw a line in terms of what's happening because you've set a precedence. Um, and again, uh, it's then not how I would like to referee a game, but it's how it has to happen. Which is the worst part because, like, it wasn't a dirty game. Uh, like, there was, it, apart from the red, there was two yellow cards. And the second one, the second, the first yellow was in the 25th and the second yellow was in the 90 plus two. So it was one of those games where it was actually quite good because I didn't think I had to give too many free kicks because it was such a flowing game because both teams can play and there's some really, really good players on both sides, um, which which just allowed for the spectator themselves, apart from a couple that didn't appreciate my efforts. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> I was told sarcastically I had a great game, but that's all right, no problem. Um, but, um, yeah, it was. I thought I actually enjoyed uh, as much as I could uh, that game itself, and, and I know a couple of people themselves that were spectators did too. Um, Friday Zeke, I did give a little bit of cheek back to it during the game, but that was fun. He was watching, so I did tell him to quietly be quiet. But, um, yeah, it was it was a good game. Before we get into the um, the footy scrand, Josh, there's a goal of the year contender, like potentially like a puscas. Yeah, I don't, I don't even was that, uh, say contender. I, I, I don't see... Is that Darren's? Yeah. Yeah, Darren Arena. Unbelievable. I, I don't see anyone beating that. What a strike. Like the, not, not bad. We, we, had a, we had a bloke score against us in uh, from Hammersley uh, in a game a few weeks ago from past the halfway line, and that was I thought that wasn't going to be beaten, but this was just so much nah, better. It looked, the way he's hit it's that was unbelievable. It looked beautiful, and like the thing that I love the most is like the absolute technique. Like he's oh, come, absolutely. he's almost like horizontal on one side where his legs come out all the. He's fully stretched. Isn't it a shame that it's not picked up on a really good camera? Like in terms of the quality, they got it on the VR, so they might no, try to do like some rendering. Hopefully, you well. can do a zoom. I'm yeah. not sure. Maybe that was just the wide oh, angle, but what's a strike? He hit it so well. And guess yeah. who he's playing next week? North Perth. Yeah, it's well, gonna be- I won't be refereeing that one. <laughs> I think I'm being put down a Divi Four it's now. Going to so. unload the cannon again. They only put you down if you did a bad job, right? Yeah, well, exactly. Um, but yeah, like unbelievable strike. And I love, I love this because now, like with everyone having cameras. Like you legitimately have a like Puskas contender like for like international goal of the year. It's an yeah, that, that's gonna go. Strike. That's gonna go on like grassroots goals. Oh, and has that, that has to go on to 
that has to go on every like football social media channel in the to. world. We we got to get that one out there, Kalichi. You got to get us start tagging. I'm gonna use I'm your gonna, powers for good for uh, once. I'm gonna clip it and uh, and share it on our on our social media feeds. My favorite part about the goal, like obviously it goes into the top corner, but after he's done, he just stands there, puts his hands up in the air, almost like Cantona esque. With you know when Cantona pulls a collar up, it just kind of like stands so around. He's yeah. just stands there, hands up in the air, just like yeah. I was that, that's the only way to celebrate a goal like that. Oh. I don't think you're allowed to move. You got to you got it's like marking out the spot where you've taken it from. You just gotta. Uh, it was just. It was a yeah quality, wasn't it? Like if yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it's almost like when Michael Jordan hit that final shot, and he just stood there in the pose for a couple extra seconds before he jogged back on defense. Like that's exactly what you need to do. You just gotta hit it. Just be like, appreciate what I have done. Oh, it was glorious. But um, more importantly, you had some terrific footy scrum in the weekend, mate. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was enjoyable to uh, to have after I got on for about five minutes at the end of a two-two draw against Port Kennedy, but they but it was a long drive it. as well, so it was a lovely drive. <laughs> well, I actually drove all the way from Quinns because that's where the boys I coach were playing. So oh, it was about a, yeah. an hour. I, I I spent about a whole football match in the car and uh, a fraction of it on the pitch, but that's that's okay. That happens sometimes. So tell us about the scrad. It, it was just it was good food: chicken wings, uh, garlic bread, rice. Uh, corn on the cob, oh. chips. Oh, that's wrong with that. Oh. Potato gratin. Get that in your guts, big fella. Eh? You're, not Just... getting, you're not getting that in North Perth, man. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, what, what are they serving these days? It used to be good Conti rolls on the, on the chips, corner, though. Yeah, the Conti rolls used to be. Apparently, those brothers had a fight. Oh, I saw them there. I, I know them quite well because. Um, oh, you know. <laughs> it's, well, only because one of the houses that's being demolished that's across the road from me, that was my grandmother's house where my family grew up. <laughs> so that's how so I know you, those guys. How did you not play for North Perth? I was too good for him. Oh. <laughs> no, I'll tell you why. Because we lived north, but yeah. Anyway, the my, yeah, that's how. And the, they were there. They were literally there on the weekend, locking up. They were getting something out. So both of the brothers were there. So I don't know where that story's come from. I, I do want to say. I mean, because you were talking about for the, the respect for the referees, and I will say, out of everything in the game, uh, the referee we had down for the game against Paul Kennedy was the best referee that we've had all season. You know I, who it was? I, I haven't been able to check. I'll try to find it on Squad. Yeah, be good. Stuart Beatty. His name. I have no idea, but but uh, you know they're they're getting some good refereeing down there down south, so they shouldn't be complaining very much. Might have been Dave Averson. He lives down. That <laughs> it way. definitely was not Dave Averson. <laughs> he, he lives down that way. I would have seen him running off. I there was a lot was, of wind out. Oh, I to would've... be fair, he was actually doing women's div one, so um, it's good that actually that's one good thing that I've seen a lot of state league referees actually doing state league women's as well and putting back into mm. that to get some some quality referees out there too. So, oh, it's Dave Averson. I don't know about that, but yeah. If it was Dave, you know, it was very windy. If it was Dave Averson, we would have seen him running after his... Uh, his, his, his no, no, yeah, oh, that's great. Glad you brought that one up. That's terrific. <laughs> All right, boys. Any more for any more? No, nah, that's it. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, all good for me. I'm all done. Thank you very much, Kalichi. Uh, bye, everybody. Have an amazing rest of the week. If you want to hear some more of our content uh, after you've enjoyed all those snippets, find us on patreon.com slash Perth Football Podcast. Until then, we will see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Toodaloo.